News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 18 of the Luke Messias Show. Happy Memorial Day. It's uh, kind of an interesting day. I, I don't really consider... I guess happy Memorial Day to be the most appropriate um, statement while many people are going to enjoy uh, tubing on the river uh, on my way to uh, to my office today to record this. I just ran into a couple people heading to the river here in New Braunfels and enjoying the day of vacation. I think it's important, a couple important things to remember on Memorial Day. One, uh, it's not Veterans Day, right? I do think that uh, we sometimes confuse the two. A lot of people will see veterans and wish them a happy Memorial Day and the reality is that this is a time for us to soberingly remember the fact that there are men and women in the armed forces that have given their lives, um, have literally given everything they have in order to preserve some amount of liberty and uh, the amount of liberty and freedom that we enjoy today. It's something that makes America unique. It's something that makes us grateful um, for the generations that come before us and the generations currently serving. Um, so uh, have a blessed Memorial Day and uh, remember and appreciate sacrifices that other people have made so that we can be here discussing the issues of politics and policy and culture and things of that nature. Uh, guys, today is the last day of the legislative session, sine die. Um, it's a good thing in that legislators, uh, if they're not in Austin, aren't messing up your lives. Um, it's an unfortunate thing because there's just a ton of conservative policy that was left on the table. I want to quickly overview Senate Bill 2, HB3, HB1, um, just to give you an idea. I normally record this podcast on a Friday, and I delayed it till... Monday. I'm actually recording on the day that we're releasing this just because there were so many details that had still yet to come out regarding the final pieces of the package of, of major legislation that would pass this session and that would culminate in the passage of our budget. I want to overview some of those things. I'll be honest, um, there's still a lot of details that are unknown regarding the specifics of the budget. Over the next couple weeks, I do hope to be able to break the budget down for you and explain more thoroughly the concerns of the fiscal irresponsibility that's being practiced within our budgeting. At the end of the day, the appropriators had a lot of different things they wanted to spend their money on, and they did. Um, unfortunately, it meant that uh, a significant amount uh, more, more significant relief was not able to be delivered to Texans. And it also uh, is banking on a generous revenue estimate. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But let me tell you the, the good things that have transpired. So Senate Bill 2 um, passed. It has a 3.5% cap on counties and cities, and that will start in the year of 2020. That is a win for taxpayers. We should be grateful to Representative Burroughs, to Senator Paul Betancourt, and many other Republicans who pushed that Unfortunately, they kept what uh, is called a de minimis rate in that bill. And so if you find yourself in a small city, in even a mid-sized city, to be honest, you're significantly negatively affected, um, meaning that your city will have the ability to raise your taxes and a very small rural county will have the ability to raise your taxes, you know, 15, 20, 25 percent without a voice of the people. They put a trigger in there that says if they raise it above 8 percent, you can go around and petition all your neighbors to then put it on the ballot. Um, I don't 
understand why it would not have been appropriate just to have an automatic trigger at 8%, which again is a significant increase. Most of you are not seeing an income increase of 8%. So for rural Texans, for mid-cities Texans, um, unfortunately, you were not represented well in Senate Bill 2. Um, but for a lot of Texans, in fact, one would say the vast majority of Texans who live in the larger counties, um, you are significantly protected. There are also ballot transparency measures, and there are some other um, accountability measures within Senate Bill 2 that are very powerful. You know, each and every one of you is going to be mailed a bill, and in your property tax bill, it will say, this is your property tax if each of these governing bodies decide to tax you more, if your taxes are going to go up. And this is the date at which they will decide to raise your taxes or keep your taxes the same. Um, and so it gives a lot more accountability where the average property taxpayer will know just when the individual votes are taking place that raise their property taxes. And we should be very grateful to the Republican legislature for delivering on that. House Bill 3 is the school finance reform measure. It does some great things when it comes to increasing the state's share public education funding. Uh, we probably should have an, a complete episode dedicated to uh, public school finance. I'm sure we'll get all of about 10 of you to actually listen to that because it will be a very boring, in-depth, policy wonkish conversation. But it's important to understand that public education is the state's responsibility and that it is important for the state to cover a large share of that within its tax revenue. And so House Bill 3 moves into a more equitable, not only share from a state to local side, but also um, just from reducing recapture. And so for you who live in property-rich school districts, your taxes might decrease even more than the average Texans. And they also included $5 billion of property tax relief. It's important to note here that Representative Kyle Biederman, Representative Tony Tinderholt, I know Jonathan Stickland and Paul Betancourt, I believe were, were the only legislators to really go out very publicly and say, we need at least $5 billion in property tax relief. And that probably gets into uh, some of what the legislative session was like, but there was a real um, hesitancy to lawmakers to publicly ask for good public policy this last legislative session. And it was done in the name of um, being able to keep a seat at the table. It should always be noted that we should be concerned if somebody believes that in order to keep a seat at the table, whatever table that is, they need to not publicly support good public policy. Um, and so our lawmakers must continue to stand up and actually make public calls. And, and often setting that public standard is what leads to a better result. We've seen that for sessions past, and it will be true going into next legislative session as well. If we don't have lawmakers that are willing to publicly come out and lay out a more um, aggressive uh, public policy conservative agenda, then it's going to be difficult to get there. Senate Bill 2 and HB 3 culminate in the budget, House Bill 1. And I'm not going to go into too many details. I will tell you this. The budget grew significantly, and uh, that's undeniable, whether it's, um, you know, more established media sources, uh, your, your more traditional media outlets, or conservative groups. They've all said that this budget grew significantly. And uh, even when you take out the Hurricane Harvey portions of the budget, which are kind of seen as more one-time expenses that aren't traditionally in our budget— it still grew significantly. And so that is just an unfortunate reality that government grew a lot this session, and it will continue to grow significantly if we don't draw a line in the sand and say that Texas has got to start acting a little differently. Um, 
This is also based on a very generous revenue estimate from our comptroller, Glenn Hager. And so recognize the fact that it only is growing this much if we end up bringing in this much tax revenue. Unfortunately, if we don't, we will end up coming back next session and being in a hole. We will end up coming back um, with a budget shortfall. We will have to take even more money from our savings account, of which they've already taken $6.5 billion from the savings account. So we'll have under $10 billion, and we will potentially have to spend billions more to shore up anything if the economy does not perform as strong as the comptroller would like it to. Hopefully, the economy performs uh, even better. We're able to come in with a surplus. Unfortunately, the lawmakers have shown that when they have a surplus, they look at growing government a lot with that surplus and then giving a little bit back to taxpayers in the form of tax relief. Um, the, the legislation and the legislative session comes to a close. Um, I want to also recognize a couple things that conservatives are very concerned about. At the end of the day, uh, Texas started out this session as the 13th most pro-life state. Okay, for some people, that's okay. For some people, that's an accomplishment. For some people, they see that as a failure. Um, I will tell you this, we won't know uh, exactly where we are in the rankings until next January 22nd when those rankings are redone. But I can tell you this, we're going to fall. Uh, we might fall significantly. We might fall to 18th, 19th, 20th, into the 20s. Um, it would not surprise me at all if Texas were to lose seven, eight, nine spots. And that is because while other states who were less pro-life than us have passed, have far surpassed us in their policy, just this year, Texas basically decided to take a break um, from that issue. We passed some very small, uh, minute changes in the law um, that make some slight changes, but don't actually try to save more lives. And when it comes to the abortion issue, saving more lives is a priority. Um, also, when it comes to guns, again, going back to the fact that you can walk to the Canadian border from the Texas border under states that have constitutional carry laws, and yet in Texas, we have found it nearly impossible to even have a discussion around permitless carry. In fact, we um, we almost didn't pass a bill that, that simply said that you can have permitless carry, which is in 31 other states, during a time of a natural disaster like Hurricane Harvey, where you can have the ability to defend yourself in a time where law enforcement is not as uh, prevalent, is not as available as it would be otherwise. And, um, and even that barely passed the state Senate because Senator Joan Huffman uh, did everything she could to try to kill it. So we have a sobering reality that lawmakers in Texas, Republican lawmakers in Texas really don't support your second amendment to the extent that most Republicans across the rest of the nation do. And it's something that Texas has to, uh, get a hold of. And at the end of the day, also, when it just comes to reining in the size and scope of government, we didn't see a ton of wins this session. Um, I am going to go, I'll, I'll tell you this, this is not an all negative uh, podcast. We are, one of the things I'm going to be working on during the summer is I'm going to do a good, a bad, and the ugly of the legislative session. So I'm going to go through an episode of just talking to you about the good. And I do think there is quite a bit to point to. And I do think that many of you will appreciate that episode because you will hear some really good, strong policies that were just common sense that some law makers had worked for years to do that we were able to get across the finish line. Um, last week, I talked to you about taxpayer funded lobbying, just to give you a quick update. For those of you who don't know, that policy died on the House floor. Um, there were a couple dozen Republican lawmakers that teamed up with the Democrats to kill that policy. 91% of Texans think we should ban taxpayer funded lobbying, lobbyists who are paid by taxpayers in order to come down and advocate for higher taxes. It's absolutely insane. That policy died. Um, and those Republican lawmakers must be held accountable during the upcoming 
election season. Um, in closing, you know, there was an interesting conversation had about a week ago between Representative Jeff Leach, Representative Springer, and Mary Gonzalez. And I might try to pull a clip um, from that conversation and, and publish it on my Facebook page so y'all can see what I'm talking about. But I thought this was uh, an example of just kind of how out of touch maybe some in the Republican caucus um, are right now as to what this legislation, uh, legislative session was like. Uh, Evan Smith asked them, you know, why, what do you think about the lack of conservative policy this session, right? We didn't affect, um, elect, we didn't pass any election reform and we know that's desperately needed. We didn't really address strong pro-life issues. Um, we, uh, you know, did not touch the gun issue. Many of the social issues we stayed away from. Um, Taxpayer-funded lobbying died in the House. You know, this was not a significantly conservative session when it comes to uh, comparisons to past legislative sessions. And Jeff Leach and Drew Springer both tried to kind of defend this is a conservative session. It is a a session that conservatives can be proud of and uh, tried to in a sense, you know, communicate this mantra that conservatives should be looking at this session and very grateful for all that Republicans were able to give them. And then Mary Gonzalez had a time to comment. And, you know, she basically made the statement. She said, if we had tried to have a conservative session like we've had in the past with the immigration issue, like we've had in the past on guns and abortion and all these things, she said it would have broken the house. And, um, and here's the reality that Mary Gonzalez might be the only honest person when it comes to her perspective on this legislative session from a conservative perspective. You know, she basically said, we made a calculus that if we addressed any of these issues that were found in the Republican platform, it would break the House. It would break the relationships in the House. And um, I can tell you this, that we have a lot to reflect on when it comes to the end of the legislative session. But if the Democrats are saying that we did not address Republican issues due to the relationship strain it would have put on the Texas House of Representatives, um, we need to acknowledge the fact that that was the decision made and that when the Dallas Morning News and the Austin American Statesman and the Texas Scorecard and all of these publications are saying the same thing when it comes to conservative policies, then maybe there is something accurate about the avoidance of conservative policies this session. And maybe Republican lawmakers need to be a little more honest about that. You know, I think politicians are going to return home and try to say that we had an awesome Super Bowl-esque session. But honest public servants are going to return home and tell Texas that we left a lot of conservative reforms on the table. And there's a lot of work to do. And they're going to be honest with their own voters about what needs to be done in order to give them the ability to pass more conservative policies coming in next session. If we are not honest looking back about how much um, conservative policy died this session and the lack of conservative policy that was even discussed this session, I think we will have a hard time not simply coming back in two years and repeating the same situation again. Um, with that guys, I am going to go straight to an ad from our sponsor, and then you are going to get a quick update from Raz on one key federal issue. And then I hope you have a blessed Memorial day. Thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing. Please consider sharing this, uh, with your friends and family. God bless. Guys, our sponsor for today's show is Patriot Academy, patriotacademy.com. You have heard me talk about this organization, but um, this truly is, for many students, a life-altering event. 
Um, I cannot tell you how many 16, 17, 18, 20, 25 year olds that have gone to this leadership program and come out with a, an entirely new direction for their life. You can go to patriotacademy.com to find out where they do these events, but essentially they take these students and they go through a week of being a legislator. They actually debate in the in the Texas House of Representatives, in the uh, Delaware House of Representatives, Idaho House of Representatives. It's an incredible experience. I have been involved with them. I believe in what they do. In fact, if you contact them and tell them that you heard about them through the Luke Macias show, I will contribute toward your uh, fee of actually attending. If you know a student that needs to go, that needs direction for their life, they're going to have an opportunity to learn about worldview, about free market economics, about the values that hold society together, and they're going to have an opportunity to be equipped to be a part of making the change that our community, our state, our nation need. So patriotacademy.com, we're grateful for their willingness to sponsor this podcast, and we also want to encourage each and every one of you to check them out. Please do so today. Thanks, Luke. There's one thing that I want to talk about today, and that is Chip Roy killing the $19 billion disaster aid uh, package on by just objecting to it this last week. So uh, Chip's been uh, both heralded and lambasted the last several days for killing this. And depending on uh, whether you like him or not, you probably either really like him or really hate him right now. And uh, first, what did he do? Uh, why is this such a firestorm? Well, with Congress on recess, they uh, there was a one of the Democrat members of the House brought forward for unanimous and asked unanimous consent to pass this nineteen billion dollar package. Uh, well, first and foremost, the, the unanimous consent is by and large used for inconsequential or non-controversial bills, uh, things that everybody's in favor of. Well, they brought this through at the eleventh hour, knowing that there were a lot of people that didn't want to have that they wanted to pass, but didn't want to actually have to vote for it. And uh, Chip was there. He had stayed in town late and he saw this coming around and said, nope, we're not going to. I disagree on principle spending 19 billion dollars without anybody here to discuss it or read it. I mean, Congress is out. They're not here. And so if we're going to be spending that kind of money, there should be members of a significant number of members of the House on the floor. They should be able to debate this. They should be able to amend this. They should be able to to do the work that they were told to come. They were sent here to come do. And so Chip did what he felt like he was told to come do. And he stopped it. He just objected when they asked for unanimous consent. And so with that, they have to pass the normal way. Now, Nancy Pelosi could have brought this up as normal part of order, but she chose not to. She chose to allow this to be up as an unanimous consent item. And that was if she was actually nearly as mad as she says she is about not having this thing passed, then you know she would have actually pulled it up earlier. So it's disingenuous at best there. Uh, the other reasons that Chip said he was against it, and he had listed three in his uh, in his. Uh, press release on it in his speech on the floor. Um, the first, as I mentioned, was that he felt like Congress should actually be there and in session if they're going to be passing that kind of that kind of spending. Second was that it does nothing to to impact the humanitarian crisis that's taking place on our southern border. So it deals with a whole lot of you know crisis response spending and emergency spending, but does nothing to do with unequivocally an emergency disaster situation on our southern border. So uh, that was the second reason. And the third was that it does this is spending that we don't have have to pay for. Uh, we're not trying to pay for it anyway. We're just adding to the debt and uh, that it's it's not taking into account that this should be passed as part of a the bigger spending packages while keeping it under the budget caps. So those are three reasons Chip set up and did that. I'm enormously proud of him. Uh, I you have know, loved getting to work with Chip and knowing him for the last several years. And he's somebody that's willing to do the tough things to stand up for liberty. And I'm proud of him doing that. I believe that his folks down there in CD21 are proud as well. 
Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.